to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So this month we've been doing the series Mental Health and the Prophet. We've been looking at a few different things. The first week we looked at Elijah. And when we looked at Elijah, we were looking at how he had pride and how pride got him substituted. How God was like, you're getting bench sunshine. Come off the bench. You're, you're done. Elijah coming on. And it was all because of pride. He sat there crying about himself and stuff like that. And actually in our society, in our culture, amongst millennials, we're really quite narcissistic. But actually even the generation beneath millennials now... Generation Z is the first, Generation Z, yep, cool, didn't say Z, nearly went American. Generation Z is the first generation in human history that has a higher suicide rate than homicide rate. Maybe, I I think some of you guys didn't hear that one. Generation Z has a higher suicide rate than homicide. They are killing themselves faster than anything else, anyone else is killing them, which has never happened before. They're a generation that has grown up Like, for millennials, we were figuring out the internet. We were figuring out social media. They've grown up and developed with it as being the absolute normal thing within their world. And it's absolutely breaking them. And we saw that in Elijah, his thing was he got so consumed on himself that he just lost the plot. And the thing about God is he wants us to be looking outwards. And actually spending our whole lives taking selfies is just the most destructive thing any human being can do. God calls us to flip the camera around, taking pictures of other people, celebrating them, celebrating the beauty we see in other people. And then the second week, what we had was we had Leisha talking about, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I formed you. I knit you together to be a prophet for the nations. And for a lot of people, one of the things that causes them a lot of mental anguish and hurt in life is about their identity, is how they came into the world. For some people, it's about, well, oh, you know, my, my dad wasn't there. For some people, my family situation was like this. For some people, it was like the environment I grew up in that time was really uh, a, a struggle. And you know how it is. You go see a therapist, and the first thing they do is, what was your relationship with your dad when you were a child? And you're sitting there like, geez, I just wanted to talk to you about last week. But, you know, okay, let's go back. And then if you're a kid with learning disabilities, you get like a medical plan. You get an e- ECHP plan. And if you've ever read an ECHP plan, it starts at birth every time so all the kids I had the worst behaved kids I had I was reading from their birth I was reading the story of their birth I was reading about how much extra oxygen that they took to their brain all these sorts of things which led to them being in the place they're in today and so when Alicia was talking she was talking about something absolutely amazing and beautiful is that actually what this does is this moment of Elijah he's, he's hung up and he's like well I'm just young He's caught up in his youth, not seeing he could be maybe used by God because of whatever reasons. And for many of us, we get caught up with our youth and our backstory as a reason why we can't be used, why we can't engage in the mission that God has for us. And and God just pulls the rug from underneath his feet and just goes, before you were even in the womb, I, I, I formed you and I knit you. And actually, the product of our environment that we are and our childhood isn't the entire defining factor for each and every one of us. The defining factor is actually that God formed you before you were in your mother's womb and he knew you and he was forming you for the nations. He was forming you as a benefit for other people, groups, and environments around us. And then last week, we did our whole thing about prophecy. And the reason we did that is you can't have mental health from the prophet if you're not the prophet. So last week, there were two things I wanted us to focus in on. I don't know exactly how it went here. I did a little recording that's online. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you do, because there's two things for mental health that I really wanted to push. The first one is, that God gives us gifts, spiritual gifts. In the New Testament, there's spiritual gifts that he gives out. Not prizes, 
You don't earn them by being mature. You can have people that are absolute douches that have amazing spiritual gifts. So it's not about, you don't come to God and earn it. He just gives good gifts. He just gives them. We're his kids, he loves us, gives us gifts. So the two that I talked about was speaking in tongues, amazing gift. And especially, I just want to encourage you that if you have like real mental health issues, I think this is an incredible, incredible gift. Because what the New Testament says is that, that when you speak in tongues, you build up yourself. You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're talking about. But God's spirit is speaking in you and he's building you up. And sometimes when we have mental health issues and sometimes when things get really bad, how we see ourselves, the things that we're focused on talking to God about and talking to others about aren't actually the things we need more than anything else. And actually the great thing about God's spirit is he knows exactly what we need. He doesn't just know what we need now. He knows what we need in advance of when we'll need it. And so when you're speaking in tongues, there's this ability this, that you don't understand what's going on, but you're just getting built up on the inside. But it's not the greatest gift because it only services yourself. But it's a great, great tool when we talk about mental health and spirituality and Christianity. The second one I talked about was prophecy because ultimately when you prophesy, you, so today if I, if, if I prophesied, it could be a benefit to everybody in the room. It could be a benefit not to just myself, but to others. So therefore it was talked about prophecy in the New Testament being the greater gift. I used to have so much fun going into schools. I used to do like assemblies. I'm gonna be doing stuff like that all over again now. But I went to this school and obviously when you're in a school, you're not allowed to prophesy. But that never stopped me. I still prophesied. And I was just yesterday, just checking up on this because I thought maybe I remembered this wrong, but I had a little look through, through Facebook chat because one of the kids ended up getting involved in my youth group from it and stuff like that. And I had this group of year eights. They were, every single naughty kid in the whole of year eight came to my lunch club. So I did assemblies and in my assembly, I talked about Jesus and then I said, hey, Wednesday, I'm in this room. You want to come along? There'll be snacks, games, and we'll be chatting. And I had every naughty kid in the whole of year eight. One teacher walked past, walked in and pulled me out and like, you've got all the naughty kids in year eight. I was like, thank you very much. Can I go back in and do my job now? She's like, oh yeah, sorry. And, and like this kid, um, he was in year eight and already on his last chance. One more thing wrong and he was out of the school. One more thing. You think year eight, there's no way you're making it to year 11. You're done. You're, you're not going to make it. You're going to get kicked out. And there was a, I'll never forget this day because I went in there and I felt God had told me that I needed to prophesy that day. And so I went in and I thought, well, how on earth do you start prophesying in a school? So I went into the school and I, I, I used the Champions League results. And you could do this right now. Liverpool, my team, a couple of weeks ago, lost to Barcelona 3-0 in the first leg. Everyone said no one's ever come back from 3-0. The second leg, they won 4-0. Absolutely impossible. No one believed it was possible. It's the greatest comeback in the history of Champions League. Here's how you prophesy. It feels like you're 3-0 down your life. It's just the first leg. You get your head up, you believe, you go again, and you'll slap them up like Liverpool slapped up Barcelona. And you say that to a, a boy, and all of a sudden, it changes things. And I remember being in this group of year eights, and I said, you're 3-0 down your life at halftime. You need to look up to God. He's going to turn it around and just believe. Go for it, go for it. And then I turned around to the room and I said, you know what's great? You guys are all going to leave here now and you're going to go into your classrooms and the naughtiest kid that you spend the rest of the day with in your classroom, you're going to walk up to that kid when he's dejected and been told by his teacher and you're going to say that exact word. You're going to speak that over their lives. You're going to say that over them. And then the next week I go in, I was like, hey guys, how did it, how did it go? I didn't say how did the prophesying go, but that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> And I'll never forget this kid, he goes, I walked up to this boy in my class, and they were like, yeah, 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 so-and-so, yeah, he's nuts, that boy, he's nuts, he's a scary kid. He was getting in so much trouble with the teacher, and at the end of the lesson, I walked up to him, pulled him aside in the corridor, and said, oi, mate, you're free nil down in your life at half time. Right. Look up, keep your head up, believe, go for it, give it your best shot. I said, what happened? 
He goes, he hit me. <laughs> no, he joked. He didn't hit him. He didn't hit him. But he did tell me that. It was a good, it was a good one. I was like, that's very funny. He goes, the kid looked at him and went, I can. I can. I will. I will. And he said, you know what? He didn't get in trouble the rest of the day. He didn't get in trouble the rest of the day. I want to read you something from, from the boy that um, came to my group that was probably the one on his last warning. This was one year after I'd left to stop going. Miss you coming to my school, mate. That was the best thing about it. Your club. He asked me about, and then a year later, I asked me, how's your church going? And he put, glad to hear church is going good. And yeah, I've turned my life around. Turned my life around. Because I spoke a word. You see, when you speak a word, it's not for you, it's for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And you see, in a society that's full of mental health issues, you've got to start speaking words. Yeah. you just got to say it. You've got to say it. It doesn't have to be a mountain or a river. Not another blooming river. I don't want to hear about any more rivers. I don't want to hear about any more mountains. Like, if you have to use, use a, a makeup commercial, I don't care. L'Oreal, because you're worth it. Whatever you've got to do, get out there and say something that makes some sense to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, L'Oreal, because you're worth it, and not just on the outside. You're, like, guys don't go prophesying over girls, these kind of things. But, you know, ladies, you can walk outside and go, because you're worth it. And you know what? Who you are on the inside is even more beautiful on the outside. Not you, Marv, because Marv will go, yeah, and you're a boomting as well, yeah. and get slapped. <laughs> ruining, ruining all effects, so we're not doing that one. But those are, those are the three lessons that we've learned so far, and I want to encourage you with them. And the greatest of all these things is prophecy and God's spirit and being sensitive to it and finding ways, even in situations where you can't say, thus saith the Lord, you still just speak it. You still say the word, even if you can't say it in that way. And I'm telling you, you'll see unbelievable things happen that you never thought were possible. And then there's this week, which I'm going to summarize. Because this week's such an important week for mental health. It's such an important week. It's not the word anyone here wants to hear because no one's going to like it. I don't like it, but it's Jeremiah and it's true. So Jeremiah stands up to the people and he says, listen, guys, God's going to come. He's going to smash the city up. And um, we're going to be like the people of Shiloh. And when he says Shiloh, that was it. Rags us on. The people tried to kill him. They literally wanted to kill Jeremiah because Shiloh was a place in 1 Samuel where um, they had turned away from God and everything got decimated and people died and it was like such a holy place but now it was such a place of kind of like curse and, 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 and pain and suffering so they wanted to kill him. But then as they went to kill him, some of them remembered and said, well actually what about the other prophets? What about Micah when he said that Jerusalem's going to be turned to rubble? What about Uriah when he prophesied and said these things but then we killed him? And then they went to kill Jeremiah but then they were talking about it and Jeremiah said, listen guys, I don't care if you kill me or you don't kill me just know that I'm innocent blood I'm saying the words God given me for you and if you kill me you're going to have all the stuff you've got to deal with plus innocent blood on your hands as well so then one guy there sticks up for Jeremiah and they don't kill him the next thing that happens after he does that is he he goes away and now he he, he fashions out of wood a, a, a yoke for oxen and he comes with the yoke and he brings it out to the people and he says prophetically this yoke he says God has told us that in this time he is giving over all the nations to Babylon. And what he wants us to do is, like this wooden yoke, he wants us to be yoked to Babylon. And he wants us to come, and when Babylon comes, he wants us to say, we are here to serve you, we're here to serve your vision, we're here to serve your plan, we're here to come alongside you and do this with you. Our God has told us to serve you. And if you do as I say, you will all stay in your homes, none of you will be harmed, and you will prosper, and you will be used to serve Babylon. But then what happens is a guy called Hananiah stands up and he says, God says that's not true. 
and that we can do this, we've got this, it's all going to be okay. After he says that, you know, there's some political things that happen. The Assyrians and the Egyptians are fighting against the Babylonians, but eventually the Assyrians start to cave and the Assyrians lose their empire. And then the Egyptians are still standing strong. And, and, and in Israel and in Judah, the kings kind of like ally themselves with the Egyptians, which is not what God told them to do. And so what happens is eventually the nation, the Babylonians come and they bring their army. And at this point, the king says, I switch my allegiance from Egypt to you. But at this point, the king looks down at them and he takes away the first diaspora. He takes the first dispersion from, from Israel, which Daniel goes in and the other prophet, a couple of the other prophets, and they're taken away. People are killed, people are suffer. And then later on, this king, who says he will serve him later, when he gets a bit bold and a bit gassed, switches and fights back against the Babylonians and then dies. And when he dies early, he dies before the wrath of Babylon comes. And then the new king comes and lasts the job for three months because Babylon comes, kills him, just smashes up loads of people and takes away even more people. But while this was happening, Hananiah stood up and he's gone, that's not going to be the case. And a few people get taken away at the first stage. And then Hananiah is still going. And Jeremiah said, remember the yoke. I told you the yoke. If we'd done this, we'd have all been okay. But you didn't listen to God. You didn't want to listen to what he had for you because you think you knew best. You think Hogan knows best and he doesn't. God knows best. You didn't trust him. You, didn't, you rebelled. And this is where we are. But he says, still, we need to get on with it now. It's about the yoke. We need to serve Babylon. And those of us that are taken away in the, in the dispersion, those of us in our cities, we need to live good lives in our cities. We need to eat good food in our cities. We need to get married. We need to have kids. We need to bless the city. We need to pray for the Babylonian cities we live in that God will bless them because if there's good welfare for the city, there's good welfare for you. But Hananiah, he sees it differently and he grabs the yoke and he breaks the wooden yoke and says, God says, I will break the yoke of Babylon and in two years the people will be back and the artifacts taken from the temple, the holy artifacts will all be back here. And Jeremiah's looking at him and he's like, are you absolutely dizzy? So Jeremiah comes back afterwards. This is like a, I've always said like the prophets, like the way they speak, they speak in, in rhyme, in rhyme scheme. This is like a rap battle between Jeremiah and Hananiah. And then he comes back and he goes like, mate, what are you doing? This is no longer a wooden yoke. This is now an iron yoke. Like, this doesn't go away. This only gets worse. Stop doing this. You're damaging other people. And he says to Hananiah, he says, listen, Hananiah, you need to go and pray and talk to God because God hasn't sent you. God hasn't spoken to you and you're ruining people's lives. And if you don't do this, you're going to be dead. Seven months later, Hananiah's dead. He's dead. And the thing about the Babylonian dispersion is we haven't got time to go into the details of the way that they suffered. But if you ever get a chance on our SoundCloud, you can find a series called Ika, called How, and it's the Book of Lamentations. And it's the most depressing, devastating book you will ever read in your entire life. And it's five poems about the suffering. Only in Israel's history was the Holocaust more brutal than the Babylonian dispersion. They didn't want to listen to the word that Jeremiah had. The call of God is often actually in the, in the difficult realm. And he called them in the midst of the pain and the suffering and the difficulty, build houses, grow and eat, have kids, get married, build a life, seek the welfare of the city that will be your own welfare too. Pray for the city to me that I will bless it. And I think that's such an important thing. I think so often we have this view, this very narrow view, and yet God is calling us to be a blessing and God is calling us to serve. 
sometimes we want to spend our whole life in our culture serving our own vision and our own goals. Like people always say to you, it's you first, you first. And you'll hear people say things like, you know, if you, you've got to sort yourself out first, you're no good to anyone until you've sorted yourself out. Rubbish. You're good to a lot of people before you've sorted yourself out. There's a lot of people that need you. What, are you never going to speak a word that's going to turn someone's life around because yours isn't perfect? You're never going to cheer someone else up because you're having a bad day? Are we going to do those things? No, we're not, are we? We're not. We've got to learn that regardless of the situation we're in, we've got to build houses, we've got to grow and eat, we've got to have kids, we've got to get married, we've got to seek the welfare of those around us, even if they're not our own people, knowing that we will share in the welfare with them and together we'll be one and enjoy it. It's in the midst of this passage, actually, that Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the verse that everyone loves to talk about from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me, come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. You see, the thing about mental health is that sometimes, like the first talk I did when I talked about pride, people would never let you ever talk about that in the secular sector because it would be, how dare you talk about people with mental health, like having any sort of blame in this. It's like, there's no blame game. It's just like a safe space that perpetuates the situation. We live in a society that's so selfish and narcissistic, it's, it's self-harming and harming itself. And you can't call it as that kind of a thing. The thing with Jeremiah is he keeps on getting up and he keeps on saying a word to a people that's to liberate them. He's trying to protect them from a difficult situation, a difficult environment they're in. And so often you and I, what we want is we want the environment around us to change, but none of us want to be the change. And in this situation, what God is calling Israel to do, he's not calling Babylonia to be smashed up. He's not calling any of these things to be smashed up. He's calling for Israel to learn the one and only thing that mattered. It's serving. It's serving. And he said to them that all you had to do is come out prophetically with that yoke and go before the king. God has told us that we're here to serve you. God has told us this yoke is for us and we're to be yoked to you and we're to move with you and achieve the plans you have. And all that would happen, they'd have lived a great life, no more suffering. They wouldn't have gone through their, the, the, the biggest suffering underneath the Holocaust. They would have suffered none of that if they just learned what it meant to serve. And God was trying to protect them. See, you and I, sometimes what we want is, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about so often, if I put the words of Jeremiah and Hananiah side by side, if I had someone come into my life right now and someone said to me the things of Jeremiah about my life or someone said to me the things about Hananiah, which one would I listen to? And I know that I'd probably listen to Hananiah and that scared me. That I'd be like, yep, Hananiah, yes, amen, awesome. But actually, God wasn't speaking through Hananiah at all the whole time. He was speaking through Jeremiah. And then I started to think about mental health and I started to think about the situations that many of us find ourselves in that cause us so much anguish and so much pain. And then I started to think about this verse, that for I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for evil. What are you talking about? Look what Babylon's doing. Look at the situation we're in. God's trying to tell them this situation is coming and I have a plan for you to prosper in it. I have a plan for you to be okay in it. I have a plan for you to be used to transform and to shake nations and to change communities but you're going to have to trust me and not anyone else. And I felt this morning that actually one of the most important things is you see, I could give you a message where it creates a bubble and and we have like the safe space that everyone talks about, which just perpetuates the anxiety and the pain for whenever you get confronted by the same situation again, all of it flares up. 
or we can have a situation where we trust in God regardless and go, look, God, this is causing me pain, this is causing me suffering, but I know the plans you have for me. I know you have plans to prosper me. I know you have plans for my welfare. I know you have plans for good. I look at my situation, God, I don't see the good. I look at my situation, I don't see the welfare. I don't see any of these things, but I'm going to trust that you know what's best. I'm going to trust that you have what's best for me. I'm going to trust that you are going to take care of this. I've got anxiety about all these things over here, all these things over there, but I know that the plans you have for me are good. And that right now it may not look beneficial, but actually if you could have the position he has, if you could see what he has, if you could see it from his view, a nation that would have been unique in the whole of the Babylonian Empire, the only one to not have people taken to another place that would have stayed there because they would have served. No one would have died and they would have influenced and led a whole empire to do God's will. But they didn't listen because they didn't want to hear a word where God says serve. They wanted to hear a word where they were boss and instead people died. Houses were destroyed. People were led away as slaves. And if you've read Lamentations, you know that some of the women ate their own babies to survive and then wished they died because living with knowing the fact of what they've done was worse than if they did it in the first place. And all of that happened because they wouldn't come and take a yoke and say, yes, Lord, we'll serve. The thing that's killing Generation Z is pride. The thing that's killing millennials, pride. The thing that's killing the world, pride. The thing that's causing people to starve to death, pride. There's more than enough food in the world. It's pride, 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 pride. But just when we bow low before God and we say, God, it doesn't matter what you yoke me to, God. It doesn't matter what you call me to serve in the workplace I'm in. It doesn't matter what you call me to do within my family, within my friendship group. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to serve. I'm going to trust you because I know you have plans to prosper me. That's when you can, regardless of what happens to you, you can live a life full and whole. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, that actually our situation doesn't need, for us to, doesn't need to change for us to have peace. You give us peace that surpasses all understanding. I thank you, Lord, that each of us has different situations that we're in. And so many of us, maybe some of us, God, you are saying, Hannah and I, a really great word, that everything's going to be great and everything's going to be rosy, and that's fantastic. And you know that does happen. That's in parts of the Bible as well. But most of the time, Lord, we're too busy looking for a hand and eye word that's all fluffy when actually what God has to say to us is really gritty, but the gritty will save us so much devastation if we just trust you. I pray that you'd speak to us by your spirit. I pray that we would hear from you. I pray that we would be people that would put aside our pride and serve. I pray that we'd be people that do not find our identity in anything about us, but in the fact that before we're in our mother's womb, you knew us and you formed us as a blessing to those around us. And I pray for us, Lord God, that we would... If we don't have the gift that we'd receive the gift of speaking in tongues, that when we have those times of anxiety, we can be built up by your spirit. We pray for others of us here, Lord, we'd have the gift of prophecy, that we can speak a word into someone's life that can change their whole direction. And I pray for those of us today, Lord, who are in a place where we're finding it hard to trust you. I pray that we would learn from this horrible mistake that this nation made that led to such devastation and depravity and hurt and suffering, but instead that we would avoid that by listening to you and being faithful in the place we're in. In Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.